Uh, before we get started this morning, let's look to the Lord in prayer one more time. God, Father, we thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to gather together as a uh, church family to remember you. Thank you, Lord, for this the previous meeting that we had where we were able to remember you and what your Son has done for us and taking the price and the payment that we truly deserved and that you acted as our redemption and that we now are able to have this wonderful relationship with you as a Father and uh, Jesus Christ as our um, intercessor. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We pray for me today as I present your word. I pray, Lord, that... Um, all these words that I speak, that none of them might come out of my own strength, that you might help the Holy Spirit to work in me and present the words that you would want me to speak. And that uh, uh, by listening and also presenting this word, that we may not just listen, but be able to apply it in our lives and truly help us to grow in our walk with you. We thank you, Lord, again for this time, and we bring all these things up to you. In Jesus Christ, in name we pray. Amen. Good morning once again to those here in person and on Zoom. Uh, I'd like to thank you all once more time for this opportunity to present God's Word this Sunday morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Johannian Abraham, and I was born here in Orlando, Florida, and my family grew up in this assembly uh, for five years before we moved out to Indiana. And as mentioned before, my family and I have fond memories of, of the love and fellowship from this assembly, and I truly consider it a privilege to present God's Word here this morning. Um, now, getting to the topic for today's message, if I were to give a title for this message, I'd title it, The Man of Many Coats. And as was mentioned before, we'll be talking about the life of Joseph. Uh, throughout Joseph's life, we see him taking on many coats from several positions and level, various levels of authority that he served during his lifetime. But despite being placed in so uh, various circumstances and seemingly uncomfortable situations, we still see Joseph having faith in the promises and plans of God. And um, I would like to imagine that at some point in all of our lives, most of us have been told that we look like someone else. Often members of our family carry a strong resemblance with each other. And we see the same thing here with Joseph. Joseph here reminds us of someone else, and that's Jesus. As we prepare to celebrate the end of 2023 and bring in the start of 2024, I would like for us to consider this question. How much do we resemble Jesus Christ? And as we all know, Joseph in the Bible is presented as a type of Christ, as many Christ-like characteristics are seen throughout his life. And I would like to consider a few of those characteristics this morning. Uh, Romans 15:4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might as hope. So let's consider the life of Joseph today, that we might learn more about the hope that we have in Christ. Um, <clears throat> I read that Bible scholars say there's over a hundred different ways that Joseph resembles um, Christ, but obviously we don't have time to consider all of them, so I'd like to look at five specific characteristics. Uh, number one would be holiness how Joseph viewed sin and the need for personal holiness in his life. Number two, faithfulness, how Joseph was faithful in all that he did. Number four, three, humbleness, how Joseph remained humble both in times of trouble and triumph. Number four, forgiveness, how Joseph not only forgave, but also showed compassion towards his brothers. And finally, uh, confidence, how Joseph showed confidence in the plans and promises of God. So starting off with holiness and how Joseph viewed sin 
and a need for personal holiness in his life. Uh, For each one of these points, I'd like to look at instances where Joseph displays this characteristic and then a passage where we see our Lord displaying that same characteristic. And finally, how we can apply that in this truth into our lives today. Uh, So starting out, before I read this verse, uh, for context, Joseph here has just been sold as a servant into Potiphar's house. And he's been working in this household for quite some time now. And he's been building up a reputation for himself of being quite trustworthy. So if you would turn with me to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39, starting from verse 7. We're reading from the King James Version. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eye upon Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wadeth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he had to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Here we see uh, Joseph's response, and um, it's truly a twofold response. Uh, the first part of it addresses uh, Joseph standing in Potiphar's house. He talks about how there's none greater in this house than I. It's not because Joseph's wanting to boast in his abilities or in his position that he's been given, but he's just rather recognizing that Potiphar has shown him favor towards him during the time that he's been in his household. And so Joseph strives to maintain his honor and favor before Potiphar as a way of appreciating him. But the second and most important response that Joseph gives here is that he recognized immediately that this would be a sin against God himself. Joseph says, how then can I do this? He realized that he had an intimate relationship with God and he didn't want to offend God by allowing sin to get between that relationship. Isn't that amazing? We see here Joseph's priorities. He places much greater value on his relationship with God and and continue pleasing him rather than indulging in his own fleshly pleasures. And we all know Joseph could have committed the sin easily, excused himself by saying no one will know or everyone else is doing it. But he lived a life to please God and made no provisions for the flesh, as Paul reminds us in Romans 13, 14, and says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill in its lust. Now, uh, before we look at how Christ displays holiness, we need to first look at uh, what the word holiness means and the definition for it. So the word holy has two main definitions. First of all, holiness refers to an absolute moral purity or an uncompromised standard of righteousness. God is the only one who is incapable of error and untainted by sin. And he's pure in all his ways, so therefore he's holy. And in this aspect of holiness, right now, he's the only one who can attain this level of holiness. And now the second definition for holiness is um, the state of being set apart from the common. Now that's for the common, for God's purpose. And that's the aspect that we see Joseph's life. And that's what's required of us as well today. Now thinking about the holiness of Christ and how we're called to reflect that same holiness... Um, reading from First Peter one fifteen through 16, it says, uh, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Also, one more verse, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12.14, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. 
These verses remind us that without holiness, we can't enjoy peace. And without holiness, we can't see the Lord. So like Joseph, if we truly want to enjoy an intimate relationship with God and be able to live in peace with God, then we need to maintain practical holiness in our lives and make a conscious effort to avoid sin. One more verse in Galatians, Galatians 5.16, a very familiar portion that says, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Paul here is uh, guiding us to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit by allowing him to guide our hearts and minds in ways that are pleasing to God. Now, uh, as we continue to build a desire to live a life that's well-pleasing to God um, and to be faithful in everything that we do, that, that is one key aspect in our walk with God. So moving on to the second point of faithfulness and how Joseph was faithful in all that he did. Uh, for context, before I read this verse, uh, the verse here is talking about how Joseph was regarded in Potiphar's house and because of the favor the Lord has shown on him. So if you would turn with me to Genesis chapter 39 again, uh, starting from verse 3. <clears throat> and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. In verse 4, And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. So one more verse, and again for context, Potiphar's wife just accused Joseph, and Potiphar just placed Joseph into prison. And I would like to, as I read, I would like you to focus on what Joseph's reaction is this here. So a little bit further down in verse 20, it says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Here in these two verses, we see... God recognizing Joseph's diligence and faithfulness to his word and his duties. Uh, we see God blessing Joseph and those that he came into contact with accordingly by allowing him to prosper even in a seemingly harmful environment. And uh, although it's probably not evident for Joseph in the moment, we see God was preparing Joseph for his eventual promotion to prime minister. During his time in Potiphar's house, Joseph, and even in jail, Joseph was continuing to build up his leadership and administration skills, which would be extremely useful during his time in controlling Egypt's grain houses in the future. And we see Joseph's faithfulness here is a direct reflection of Christ's characteristic in the same way that we should be emulating that faithfulness back to God. John in Revelation 1.5 says that Christ is the faithful witness. It says that Christ was faithful in his mission as the prophet, priest, and king. Christ was the faithful witness as he conveyed all that he heard of the Father to the disciples. And he also taught the ways of God in truth. We see the height of his faithfulness when he remained faithful to his testimony even unto death, as we thought about this morning. Now, 
how are we expected to practice faithfulness in our lives? If we look in Colossians chapter 3, starting from verse 23, uh, it reads, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord each shall receive the reward of inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. God will recognize and appreciate our faithfulness to him and in our everyday actions, even in seemingly mundane or ordinary tasks. Everything that we do should reflect to others the love of Christ that we have. And being faithful to him is the least that we can do to show our thankfulness back to the Lord. And we see here one key element that helped Joseph to remain faithful in his duties was his humbleness. His humility is essential to maintaining the right perspective and reminding him of truly who was in control. So moving on to the third point of humbleness and how Joseph remained humble both in times of trouble and triumph. Uh, For this section, I'd like to do something a little bit different. I'd like to read three separate passages from the life of Joseph that correspond to his transition from three separate coats or roles during his lifetime. Uh, I know we've already read this passage today, but let's read it one more time. Uh, Genesis 39, starting from verse 2 and ending in verse 6. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in his house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew aught not aught what he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Here we see <clears throat> Joseph's no longer viewed as the person who wears the son's coat or the coat of many colors, but here he's donned the servant's coat. Joseph was moved from a place of high standing and high regard in his father's house, now being a servant of lowly status in an Egyptian's house. However, we still see Joseph delighting, even in his lowly position. And because of his humility, we see the Lord blessing him and allowing him to prosper in all that he accomplished. Even in times of trouble, we see Joseph still showing humility and delighting in his work. Now in uh, Genesis chapter 39, starting from verse 22, It reads, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Here again we see another transition. Joseph was removed from the servant's coat and now donned the criminal's coat. If we study Joseph's reaction to his imprisonment, We know this something. We never see him complaining or even defending his situation to Potiphar. Joseph might have thought that he would have been able to convince Potiphar of his innocence as he kept up a good reputation himself as being an honest worker. But we see Joseph staying humble and committing his situation to the Lord, knowing that it wasn't worth reviling against his oppressors and that his Lord had the best plan in mind for him. One more passage in Genesis chapter 41 this time. Starting in verse 15, Genesis forty-one fifteen reads, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. 
and I have said, heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Now, one, one last transition that Joseph makes is from his criminal's coat into now what is deemed as an honorable coat. Here we see Joseph that he recognizes his ability to interpret dreams solely comes from God and that he wouldn't be able to do anything out of his own strength. He was simply the channel through which God was able to accomplish his plans and purposes. Joseph could have adopted a prideful attitude as Pharaoh, the most powerful man in all of Egypt, was relying on him to solve all of his problems. But we see here that he chose to have the right mindset and gave all the glory back to God. Even Joseph here showing, hum- showing humility in times of triumph, which is often much harder to do than in times of trouble. And this again speaks volumes of Joseph's priority and mindset. He was always focused on giving God back the glory and recognizing that it was not out of his own strength. And of course, we see the same characteristic of humility in our ultimate example, uh, Christ. If you turn to Philippians chapter 2, starting from verse 5. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, starting from verse 5 through 8, it reads, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We see here Paul urging his readers to adopt this mindset and learn from our Lord. We see that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. He humbled himself and left the glories of heaven to come down and die for sinners such as us. And we see him showing the ultimate humility, even during both times of trouble and triumph. And unlike Joseph, he didn't really have any obligation to humble himself. He had every right to ignore us humans and continue living a life in heaven's glories. But he humbled himself to save us and set us an example for ourselves. And we need to follow his, in his footsteps and reflect that same humility of Christ. And Isaiah 53, 7, a well-known passage reads, And he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. The idea here is not that our Lord was helpless, but that he was silent, and that he wanted to glorify God in all that he did. He truly did have the power to destroy all of his captors and set himself free, yet he humbled himself and submitted his case to God, so that by his death we might have life. And similarly, we don't see our Lord complaining about the work that he had to go through yet he willingly accomplished his Father's will. And throughout the Bible, we see the Lord encouraging us as well to reflect on this Christ-like humanity to those around us. So now, looking towards the application for us, uh, if you turn to Jeremiah chapter 9, starting in verse 23. Jeremiah chapter 9, starting in verse 23, reads, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Any blessings that we've truly received in our lives have truly come through God, and we need to constantly remember to give God the glory back to him. 
And we need to recognize that it's not in our own strength. Another familiar passage, 1 Peter 2.19 reads, For this is thankworthy, for if a man if a man for conscience toward God endured grief, suffering wrongfully, for what is for what glory is it, if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if, when ye do well and suffer it, ye take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. As we see here in this verse, our main goal in life should be to glorify God. We may go through situations like Joseph that seem unfair, but instead of retaliating and speaking out, we should humbly commit our situation to God, knowing that he will guide us and show us the best path forward as he did in the life of Joseph. And uh, how should our attitude be when we go through these sufferings? We see Peter in First uh, Peter 4.19 says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. And the, the word here for commit basically means to present or deposit our souls to God for his safekeeping. So we need to have that, that trust in God and put, put, our, put our lives in his hands, knowing that it's in, their, in his safekeeping. Uh, moving on, another application of humility that we see is in our forgiveness towards one another. So uh, in terms of forgiveness, it's on how Joseph not only forgave, but also showed compassion towards his brothers. Uh, now reading from Genesis chapter 42, starting from verse 25. Genesis 42, starting from 25, it reads, Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money into his sack and to give them provision for the way. And thus did he do unto them. And they laded their asses with the corn and departed thence. This might seem like a, a small act in, in context, but truly it's something significant. We see here Joseph's attitude to his brothers. Despite all the hurt and the pain he suffered from them in the past, he still continued to forgive his brothers, despite the fact that they, he, he himself had never heard them convey their sense of remorse. Joseph also went above and beyond by showing them compassion and providing abundantly for their needs. But as we know, the greatest example for this forgiveness and compassion can be seen in God as he gave up his only son for our sakes. Now reading in First uh, John chapter 4, starting from verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God towards us, that because, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Um, any love that, or compassion that we show to others should simply be a reflection of the ultimate love and gift that we have been bestowed upon us through the gift of Jesus Christ as our Savior. And since we've accepted such a great gift, we now have a responsibility to reflect that same gift and that love to those around us and to show others that love of Christ. And Christ's work on the cross paves the way for us to be forgiven as we read in Colossians 3:12, it says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, 
bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all, these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. In the same manner, we need to reflect the forgiveness that Christ showed towards us. And uh, for the final point, I'd like to consider the confidence on how Joseph showed confidence in the plans and promises of God. Uh, For this section, I'd like to read two passages. The first passage will focus on Joseph's confidence in the promises of God. The second one will be his confidence in the plans of God. Uh, Reading from Hebrews 11, 12, it says, By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Uh, Initially, when I first read this verse, I didn't see much importance in this. What's the great importance of Joseph specifying where he wanted his bones to be buried? But um, upon further review, uh, there's three main reasons that we see here. One is that Joseph truly had tremendous confidence in the promises of God. God had said that he would bring the Israelites into the promised land, so that settled that for Joseph. Even during a time when that event seemed completely impossible, Joseph still believed in God, that he would keep his promises and eventually bring the Israelites into the promised land. The second reason is we also see Joseph wanting to associate himself with Israel and the people of God, and not with all the pomp and pageantry of Egypt. He was the right-hand man of Pharaoh and probably would have most likely been buried to some of the great pharaohs of the past, but he wanted to be buried back in Israel, and we see him placing more value on associating himself with the family of God. And thirdly, there's a sense in which the removal of his bones from Egypt and moving them to the promised land also pictures that which was still to come. It's a type of Christ whose body and bones would not remain in the world, or in this case, Egypt, for he was raised from the dead and went to the heavenly promised land. And it also pictures us, believers who have been given the promise that our bodies will not lie forever in the earth, but we soon shall be raised, receiving a new body to meet the Lord in the air when he returns to take us home, as we just sang uh, before this. So it's a repeated pattern playing out through scriptures and history that we see this. And um, one more verse in Genesis fifty twenty, we see, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Joseph still had faith that despite all the evil actions of his brothers and them trying to plot his death, we still see that God had planned everything out before time, so that in the end, it would be a lesson and a beneficial time for Joseph. Joseph here is not just talking about how God blessed him later on in his life by being promoted and, and um, being successful, but he's also talking about how God used his brother's actions to shape and mold him for good. This just speaks volumes about Joseph's confidence in God's plans and purposes. And uh, one more verse in Hebrews eleven six it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's not just impossible, or not just hard to please God without faith. The writer of Hebrews truly says it's impossible. If we truly want to please God and live a life that is well-pleasing to him, then we need to be able to surrender our lives to him 
and trust that he will truly accomplish what is best for us, even though it may not seem like that in the moment. And, um, and the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 10.35 says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Our confidence in God isn't something that should just be taken lightly. We hold firm in our confidence that it will produce great rewards, both here in earth and in heaven. And finally, for a final verse, I'd like to conclude with this verse. John the Apostle in his letter says in 1 John 2.28, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he, would, when, he, when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at this coming. I'd like to thank you all again for this opportunity to share from God's word this morning. But I would also like to request prayer for myself. I'm currently, as many of you know, I'm currently a freshman at Ohio State. And I'd appreciate your prayers not only for my academic growth, but also for my spiritual growth in uh, finding time and making time to read God's word and continue to grow in his word. Uh, Thank you for listening and may his name be glorified.